0: Hello, and welcome to the Bride Tender Podcast. I'm your host, Esty Gordon, and I'm to tend to the brides like I tend to the bar. So mix yourself a cocktail, and let's get ready to discuss all things wedding. Today, I'm here with Tanya Pushkin, also known as the Vow Whisperer, and we are going to discuss how to rock your, va- rock your wedding vows, And have a ceremony you and your guests will always remember. So, Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Esti. I'm really excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you on um, and get to discuss, you know, really what goes on into having a beautiful wedding ceremony. But also, I wanted to mention something. We spoke last week for the first time, and I felt like we really clicked and When we spoke, you told me how you got married within two months of planning. And (laughs) I was like, I know that it's totally possible, but usually so unheard of. And I have to say, kudos to you for planning in two months. You are a woman after my own heart.
1: Well, I'm telling you, Essie, I just don't believe that people need to go through this ridiculous amount of stress with all this time to, I mean, I don't know what they're doing in all their time, but it's not needed. You can pull a hundred percent. I mean, you can pull a wedding together. You've got your venue. That's the most important thing. Go find your dress. That's not that you don't have to look at 250 dresses. You could look at 50 and be okay. You know, it's, (laughs) I I just think it can go so much faster and be a lot less stressful, believe it or not. It does not cause you more strength to do it in less time. I think it actually makes it it much easier.
0: I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, I think, you know, we live in like society now where people take like a year to even two years to plan their wedding. And I'm always like... I, if I was getting married, I was like, I could, I could do it in three months. I tell people that all the time They're I'm like, three months is all I need. And they're like, no, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, no, it's you who is crazy. You can totally, totally, totally
1: do it. And also I think you, uh, you, the, the beauty of, of doing it fast is that you you're forced to make decisions much faster. And instead of, you know, 5000 weeks for whatever colors you're going to use for your wedding invitation. Just go in there and go, "Okay, I love this and I love that. We're done." You just don't yeah, you don't need to drive yourself crazy, which is what most people do and they just get so incredibly stressed out.
0: Yeah, and the more time you take, the more you're going to change your mind on so many like little details and it's like I think always go with your gut and your gut is like always going to be the first thing that you choose. Exactly. 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 So Tanya, the first thing that I want to ask you is how did you become the vow whisperer and how did you get involved in the wedding industry?
1: So I, this is a sort of a a full circle kind of thing. I went to Juilliard. I studied acting. I had a great 10 year career, had two kids and then decided to leave it all behind and join the corporate world where I was doing PR and philanthropy for mostly international luxury brands. And that was wonderful, great, whatever. But in all that time, I had friends of mine who would come to me and say, I really want to write my vows. I don't know what to do. And one day I said, hey, let, let's, let's try And I got so into it for about 10 years. I think I probably helped 60 or 70 couples and it wasn't just my friends, but friends of friends and the uncle here and the aunt there. And, you know, I was just helping people right and left and loving it and never expecting anything to come of it because my career was doing great. I was on fire. I was traveling the world. Things were fabulous. And then, I got remarried last April and it never occurred. I mean, my husband and I never, ever, ever spoke about our vows together. It was not even a question. We knew we wanted to write them. And I didn't think that much about it. I wrote my vows. He wrote his vows. And then the night of our wedding, which was covered by the New York Times, the writer came up to me after the wedding and said, I've covered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of weddings for the New York Times and I have never in my life cried so much or been part of such an amazing ceremony. And that was kind of my aha moment. And I just thought, you know what, I've had a great, amazing career doing lots of things. I've traveled the world with Beyonce I've done this with Lady God I mean I I could rattle off these amazing things but suddenly it just didn't matter anymore and I felt like this was it this is what I was going to do next and I had lunch with a friend of mine who had been at the wedding lunch with him a a week later and I said to him what do you think and he screamed across the table he said oh my god you're the vow whisper and I thought okay this is really cool I think I'm gonna go home and buy the url or get the url and I went home I told my husband I said I think this is my next gig and you know that's how I started and it's so it's not like I'm a newbie but I'm a newbie in terms of it being a professional existence
0: I think that your, you know, career has been, like, so interesting and so fun and, like, very, like, like very, like, colorful. And I think that this is also um, such a creative role and an expressive role. And you're able to, you know, speak with couples and really, like, help them in such an important, like, really an important part of their wedding. So it's very exciting. It's
1: such an important part of their wedding. And I think that what happens is people get so talk about spending time, you know, planning your wedding, people spend, you know, a year and a half, about, you know, thinking about the flowers and the venue and the music and the food and all that. And the ceremony is like an afterthought when it really should be, It should be part of the thought process at the beginning. It's such an important piece. It's those 30 minutes that are the most important part. It's why everybody came. It's to watch you guys, you know, do this amazing thing, join your lives together. And I feel, and I don't know if everybody else does, but for me, I feel that the ceremony should be prioritized. Um, it's not that it needs a ton of time, but it really needs to be thought out. And it, it's just something that, that should not be left to the wayside to the last, you know, a week before, even three weeks before it's put the thought into it because everything else will fall into place. The ceremony is really the crux of it all.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's the very beginning, and I think that it's something that, you know, should be really special.
1: Oh, my God, yes. It's what you're going to remember. I mean, the flowers and the, you know, the music and the food, all of that are fabulous, and everybody has spent a lot of time, you know, picking the vendors and what color flowers and all of that and the the, the flavors of my cake, all of that are very, very important, but I think what people walk away with is how wonderful that ceremony was.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think so, too. Now, I feel like for, for people like you and me, we're like good at, you know, being social and kind of like talking maybe about how we feel, but it can sometimes be difficult For someone to kind of communicate how they feel through writing and, you know, knowing that they have to stand in front of everybody and really say how they feel. What are some tactics you do to help brides and grooms maybe feel a little less nervous so the vows can come naturally? Well,
1: the thing that when people come to me, even before they've booked me, one thing that I assure them, and I really do believe in that, that I can talk them off the ledge. I think people are terrified of speaking in public. That that fear comes before drowning. It comes before you know <laughs> being in a fire. Public speaking is number one. And I think with me, by the time I'm done with a couple, and actually it doesn't take that much time, but I will have worked through their fear and help them gain so much confidence and positivity in what they're doing that they will get up there and be so incredibly proud and ready and so the the idea of the public speaking part we actually get through that really fast it's a question of techniques that I that I coach people with on how to practice and you know what gets you to that place where of course, everyone's going to be nervous. I'm a former actress. I still get nervous if I have to speak in front of people. Of course, it's normal. There's no way you cannot be nervous, but you can certainly diminish it from a thousand percent down to a hundred percent. You know, it's definitely possible to do that. And I think your other question, what you started with, is you know, people people are usually overwhelmed and inundated, especially by everything there is online about how to write your vows. And there's so much out there. And yet there's no clear direction of how to do it. There are millions of ideas, but how do you start? And that's really overwhelming for most people. So what I try to do is I take all that stress away. And I, and I, that's the other reassurance I give people is that, this is a stress-free compared to everything else. It's giving them an amazing amount of stress planning, but this process is stress-free. It's very collaborative. We're doing it all together. I'm holding your hand from the second we start working together up until the moment of your ceremony, if you want me up till that moment. And when, you know, there are a lot of people who come to me and said, I can't write. Well, that's fine. I don't care how good or bad of a writer you are. I just want express yourself to me in some way. And I will twist and turn and manipulate and whatever I need to do to make your words sound absolutely beautiful and perfect and expressive and everything else. So all I really want is for them to get their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions out. And then we work together on putting them to paper. So nobody needs to come to me knowing how to do this. I get it out of them and I get it out of them through different techniques, asking the right questions. I probe a lot. Um, I will, I'm going to venture to say that at the end of the process, those two people, that couple, I will know them better than a lot of people do because we have dug so deeply into how they feel about each other, how they feel about themselves. We're telling a story of who they are as a couple, who they are as individuals. And once I get them to talk, it just keeps flowing. And that's when I get all those little nuggets. Then I just go, ooh, we're using that or we're using this or... You know, tell me a little bit more about that. So it's a very collaborative process.
0: Yeah. And I think that really that's the best way that you can do it. Um, Rather than feeling alone in writing your vows, I think sometimes it might be better to kind of like have an ear to listen and kind of like help you get your your thoughts across.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people tend to come to me with they have so many thoughts and feelings and emotions and things they want to say and ways to thank the person and ways to tell them how much they love them but they have no idea how to put a structure to it where to start and I actually don't encourage people to go back online and look for more stuff once they work with me because that's just adding way too much stress and pressure I, I want to take that off their plates and let's just work with the raw feelings that you have. And I will magically turn those into your vows. And something very important to say is that I'm not the writer. Um, people very uh, quickly assume, oh, you're the, you're the vow writer. I'm not. I will edit. I will make suggestions. I will rewrite. And I'll do all kinds of things these words have to come from you. I can't, I can't make up what you feel. I, I can't, I can't write what it was like the second he walked into that bar the first time. I wasn't in your heart. You've got to tell me this. And so it's, you know, it, it's really important that I have their words. And of course, nobody needs to write well. It, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. I will, you know, embellish and manipulate the words and do whatever I need to, but with the person's approval, every step of the way, it's gotta be a thousand percent genuine from them, not from me.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I like that. I think that you want it to be, you know, something that sounds like them, which, you know, I feel like it would be obvious if it didn't sound like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in addition to helping brides and grooms write their vows you're also able to officiate at weddings what are some yes. traditions to incorporate in in the ceremonies
1: um, something that I love to do is so let's say a couple comes to me only to officiate nothing to do with vows because if they come to me with vows then it's, it's it's like a 360. I get to know them so well, and I'm able to write a ceremony that's far more personalized to who they are because I really have gotten to know them well. Um, I think it's important to look at the cultures and the traditions and the rituals that come from their backgrounds. For example, I recently married a couple where she she was a Muslim a a guy a Muslim born of Pakistani parents but she was born in Guyana and he is a devout Christian from the Philippines so talk about traditions and rituals and culture I mean a mishmash of so many different things there. And I researched, I researched a lot and we came up with, and this is, you know, it's only for people who really have very specific backgrounds like that, which a lot of people do, but we ended up doing a Malaysian tea ceremony. I mean, I had never done this before, but you research, you figure it out and you do it. So I think that based on where people come from, You find something that that maybe their grandmothers did in their weddings or and even not, even if people come from, you know, they're they're Italians, they're second generation Italians. Well, I I actually ask, well, go back to your family in Italy and Sicily, wherever you come from, and ask them what did they do at their weddings because i think it's really special to be able to add something that comes from another generation or two or three generations and if if they don't have anything they want to include that's fine there are so many traditions and rituals that you can do um, depending on where you're from but also even with without you know let's say you're just purebred uh, uh, americans there are some really beautiful things you can do. There's a there's something called the unity candle, which is a beautiful lighting of two candles, um, and then you light one to to really signify the union that you're making. Another one is um, a sand ceremony where the bride and the groom will each come with a different colored glass, and it's the whole ri- ritualistic thing of pouring it into one vessel and having both different colored sands intertwine. Also, you know, this is the union of two new people. There's something I've been doing a lot lately, which I love that has absolutely no religious connotation or ritual or cultural. It's, um, it's called the hand ceremony. And it's all about the hands where the bride and the groom will join hands, and I talk about the significance of those hands. Those hands are, those are the hands of your best friend, who you you're you're holding their hands today on the wedding day. These are the, the hands that, you know, when you're old and wrinkled, you'll still be reaching for each other. Mm-hmm. The hands that will you know, work together, we'll build a future together. There's so much about the hands and it can be said in a very meaningful way. And, you know, it's just the bride and the groom standing there holding their hands. And that's one that I'm asked of a lot. There are so many traditional ones that can get pretty complicated. Like there's a a Celtic hand fasting that involves a lot of ropes and it's a little complicated and, you know, ropes fall on the ground and then somebody's going to pick them up and then it's just, you know, but I definitely think that bringing something in that's unusual uh, from your background is a great idea to do.
0: Yeah. I, I like seeing different traditions because I think it just makes it more personalized to a couple's wedding.
1: Right. Right. Exactly, exactly. And it also, if I'm officiating, um, it's another way that I really get to know the couple, especially if I have not worked on their vows with them. I do there's something I feel very strongly about. I don't want a couple to feel like they're just getting married by a stranger they found on wedding wire or the knot I, I I want them to feel that have actually, you know, invested time in getting to know who they are. And that's why if I dig deep enough and I find some sort of a tradition in their family that makes it extra special, why not? Let's use it.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's nice. I think think that that's just what makes it even more special. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now you meet with brides and grooms. Prior to their wedding day to help them write their vows, how long do you suggest in advance that a couple should meet with you, you know, to start working on their vows?
1: Definitely no more than three months before. Having said that, because of COVID, we have so many couples who have postponed their weddings until next year, but we started to work on their vows so what do we do? So we have way too much time on our hands. I will usually get them so far. And then I say, you know, good riddance. I'll talk to you in a year from now, because it's got to be very fresh. It's got to be, you know, we we want it to be very much of the moment. I also don't want them to kind this happens. It, it definitely happens when it's Talk about waiting until the last minute for your ceremony the week before. Hi, could you uh, help us write our vows? (laughs) Sure. Um, Definitely not ideal. But I think two to three months, it gives us time not only to write the vows, but then it gives us plenty of time to rehearse and practice the vows, which... I personally feel is sometimes more important than the words themselves, but it's how you say them, how you deliver them. You want to be exciting. You want to be enrapturing. You want to be, uh, you do not want to be monotoned. Um, and, and the the thing is that most people don't know how to speak in public. So, you know, they do sound monotone and boring. And my whole idea is no, 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 no. Let's just make this as expressive. That's really the word. It's as expressive. You're, you know, in your vows, you're telling me about the moment she walked into that bar and she was wearing that beautiful summer dress with the jean jacket and her signature sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Well, I want you to I want you to say that to me as if you're really imagining it because it will come to life. And so we go through all of that. I I I want them to think through every sentence they're saying to reimagine it, to visualize it because then it comes out in their voice and it makes it so much more exciting. So 2 to 3 months to do both the writing and the practicing. Very often, I will do a one last dress rehearsal right before the ceremony. And if it's in person, that's great. If it's not, FaceTime or Zoom. And we will do, it's that moment. It's the moment after she's dressed, hair and makeup, the veil, everything is on her Everyone's gone away. The bridesmaids have gone to grab a glass of champagne. The wedding planner is running around crazy. You know, the photographers snip- snapping away. The flowers is last, you know, last minute touches. And that's when I come in and virtually or in person. And that's that quiet moment where we get to run through her and his, his and her vows one last time. And we do it separately, of course, because it's a secret that they, they don't hear each other before. And it gives them just that last boost. And if they're super, super nervous, then we'll breathe. We might meditate. I'm not a huge meditator, but I certainly help people meditate if that's what (laughs) they want to do. And I'm generally a really calm person. So just to be with me um, just calms them down, you know, so that they're really ready to go in there feeling so good.
0: Do you... Ever have any couples who they might not want to share their vows in front of their whole like, you know, wedding, like in in front of all of their wedding guests and like bridal party that they might choose to do it privately, either like before or after the ceremony to each other?
1: Absolutely. In fact, I have a couple who I'm working with right now, who both of them um, had written so much it was like, "Oh my God, guys, you can't stand up there for fifteen minutes each, you know, doing these vows. This is crazy, And then they both came up with it themselves. Why don't we do it privately before? And we actually ended up just taking two minutes of each and doing that publicly, and the rest was private. Why not? And the other thing one can do is it if you don't want to say your vows to each other, you can write it in a letter and give it to the person either before, after, whatever works.
0: That's true. I actually didn't think about that. But when you see a lot of like the wedding trailers now, it's usually, you know, the bride and groom, like are before the ceremony and everything. And while they're getting ready are usually reading what each person has written to them.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, that, that definitely happens. Um, I can't say that I haven't happened that often, um, but sure. And especially if, if they're super private people or super, super, super shy, and I just cannot get them comfortable, then, you know, either writing a letter or doing it privately, sometimes it's right after the first look you know, they'll, they'll read their vows to each other. And then, then there's a huge sigh of relief.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then the party can get started.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. I guess it's also true with like a best man or a maid of honor or the parents. Like you use, you usually see they're like a little stressed out before they have to give their speeches. But then once those speeches are over, they're having like the time of their lives.
1: And hopefully, honestly, they're not too drunk before they even get into the speech because that happened a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And honestly, I mean, I do help with speeches and toasts a lot. And I always say as short and sweet as possible. And don't go into some embarrassing memory you have of him. Like, you know, oh, God knows what. I mean, I've heard some horrible things. Oh, Yeah. You know, just short and sweet and practice with me a couple of times if you can. Um, and, you know, I, and the thing is, sometimes I stress, like maybe try to do the speeches and the toasts earlier on in the night. Yeah. You know, because it can be disastrous.
0: Nothing is more cringy than <laughs> when you are a guest at a wedding and you are watching An awkward speech go down, and you're just like, "Okay, someone please take the microphone away from them."
1: I know. (laughs) it It happens. It happens more than it does not happen. It's just people think that they can just get up there, and that very often it's like you know they wrote it the morning of or whatever. It just (laughs) it doesn't work. It does not work. flown to a wedding in the Caribbean last summer and I had worked on the vows and the ceremony and all of that. And, you know, we we stayed as guests. I took my husband with me because I thought, okay, I'm being flown to this thing. Well, let's make a vacation out of it. And so we were guests and the speeches, I swear to God, there must've been 15 of them and they didn't stop. They just kept going and going and going. And I thought I was going to die it was like oh my god because they were like three people who were expected to give the speeches and then the stupid thing was does anybody else have anything to say and then that was it it was like it was over it was oh my
0: god that's over the top yeah
1: yeah very (laughs) and not
0: over the top in like a good way
1: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly exactly
0: this might be kind of a random question that I thought of, but do you think that it's a good idea for couples to go to like a marriage counseling or like relationship, like coaching, like within their engagement period prior to the wedding, like before they're going to write their vows?
1: It's interesting. I mean, like the Jewish religion, uh, i working with a couple right now who have just undergone what is mandatory really. Um, to do this premarital counseling, you know, like eight sessions, something like that. I find that um, I have a couple of friends who are therapists, not therapists, sorry, counselors for premarital counseling, but also wedding coaching, which is a totally different thing. And that's for the couples who have these families, everybody's fighting. The, you know, the mother of the bride doesn't like the groom's mother and how are they ever going to settle on the whatever this looks I mean everybody's fighting and the stresses and the bridesmaids hate hate each other oh my god that's when a wedding coach is really really useful um the premarital stuff I think there is nothing wrong to admit that you might have some things that you've got to work through which is fine there's really nothing wrong with it and I, I for one, totally believe in therapy, any kind of therapy. I think it's wonderful. And if you feel as a couple that you want to become stronger in some ways in that you, you know, would feel more comfortable sort of settling something that you've got going on, why not? Now, one thing that does come out, I'm not a premarital counselor. I'm not a therapist I'm not a whatever I'm not that person but I do find that in the work we do that I do individually with each person is very therapeutic in many ways and I'll give you an example I was talking talking with a group but this is before COVID when the groom was here in my apartment and was sitting there going back and forth you know with his vows and he he started to write something about anger, you know, I promised to try to, you know, stop. I don't remember. It was not a well-written sentence, but something about his anger. And he put his pen down and for 20 minutes said to me, you know, I'm really trying to work on this and I'm trying to just stop and take a breath and listen to what she has to say, blah, 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 blah for 20 minutes. And he felt so much better and i also got some beautiful little nuggets of what he said that we used in his vows so in a way there is there is a very therapeutic aspect to the work we do and across the board every single person has come to me afterwards saying that the whole vow writing process was enlightening and in a way, a revelation because they discovered so much about themselves, so much about, you know, most people, they aren't totally in touch with every feeling and every thought and emotion for the other person. And that's my job. I get it out of them. But when I do, they're like, oh my God, I didn't know I had this in me. And so it ends up in many ways, kind of being a little bit therapeutic.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would have to think so. And I feel like I know that, you know, you're not a therapist or a counselor or whatnot. But I think a lot of what you do is helping people, you know, really feel and kind of almost experience like their emotions. Yes. So, you know, in a way, you're kind of a therapist for these people without <laughs> without being a therapist. I don't charge enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I listen, oh, I understand. I do understand. <laughs> but it, you know what? It's it's actually
1: I love I love this work so much. And the more I get to know each person, the better their vows are going to be because it's you know, so much comes out and I have yet to find a couple who was so stunted who could not express themselves. And believe it or not, this is completely against stereotype. But men are more expressive than women. I know that's really hard to believe. Yeah. It's hard to believe. But I my theory, the more I see this, is that, okay, we women, we overshare. We talk like crazy. We tell our friends everything. Men don't men don't that men do not express themselves very rarely do they you know in ways that we women do and i feel like i think this is what's happening i'm not forcing them but i'm extracting all this stuff from them that it's it's like a faucet it's it just you know suddenly they 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 feel this open i'm I'm a calm person and people talk to me very easily and so maybe it's a combination of that or the the ability to wow i could tell her anything and that just that opens up the floodgates and the other thing that i find is very often men will write better than women do it's crazy right
0: that is very interesting i know but I, I do know. agree with you about men being like a little bit more emotional. I never thought that. But like, as I get older, even just, I feel like <laughs> this sounds so crazy, but I've had friends like when they get engaged that it's like the men who are like the ones crying. And yeah. Like the women aren't. And I'm like, this is so <laughs> random. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. But I I feel that, and maybe it's society and maybe it's the evolution of men and women and you know, where we've, where we've come to, and maybe men just now have suddenly been given the freedom to release all this. You know, I mean, men, I don't know, the fifties, the sixties, men were told not to cry, not to express their feelings. And we live in a very, very different world now. And I think, I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful.
0: I I think it is too. I think it's nice as women that we get to see kind of like the emotions that men have also. Yeah, absolutely. And it also happens during
1: the vows when they're saying them. The woman is like, she's fine. She's not crying. The guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. So with everything going on right now in the world, in 2020, we've just been dealing with like thing after thing over here and coronavirus and really all the effects from it um, just being a huge challenge, especially for us here in New York, because where some other states have like fully kind of opened or are in the process of like opening, we're much slower to open. Um and many weddings obviously have had to postpone or they might be in the midst of postponing. What advice do you have for some of our brides and grooms who might be stressed during this time trying to figure out what's best to do?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it that initial shock which was at the beginning in March, March April Now I think it's less so because people have gotten used to what is happening and what the near future looks like. I've never been busier than I am now, and I hate to say it's COVID-based, but I'm finding that a lot of couples are coming to me even though their celebrations are for next year and whether they're destination weddings or whether they're here or wherever they are a lot of couples are coming saying, you know what, my party's next year, but I really want to be married now. And that I'm finding, um, I mean, today I got an inquiry to marry two people. Where are we on Tuesday to marry them on Thursday? I mean, what were they thinking? You know, it's
0: like, (laughs) uh,
1: I I feel that people are, you know, they're making their, they're saying, okay, fine. I'm making this decision to postpone, but I really, I'm so tied to my wedding date. I was so hoping I could get married on this. So then they get married. Um, I think now more and more, I mean, at the beginning, it was a totally different situation and people were so devastated now they. Now, of course, you're getting into the second and the third postponements, which as I, I can't even imagine being that devastated that you've got to go through this again and again and again. Um, but people are being creative about it. And and I have a, a friend of mine who was supposed to get married last weekend, and she's in outside of St. Louis where. She, her parents have this big pool where they threw a social distance party on the wedding day just to acknowledge that there was something that was supposed to happen that day. And, you know, people find find different ways to deal with it. It's it's not easy for anyone. Um, I feel for these brides. I mean, the brides more than the grooms, I, you know brides are far more emotional when it comes to planning their weddings. So, you know, the thing that that scares me a little bit, though, is I feel there are a lot of states that are reopening too quickly. And we're seeing the numbers rise very fast. Are some of those states going to close down again or slow down the reopening process? Um, You know, I I don't know. I don't know things could be in a complete upheaval again in August, September. So I don't know. I wish I had the magic wand, but I don't.
0: I think it's just, you know, um, 2020 will be a year that will be remembered regardless. Um, but I think for a lot of weddings, everybody has like a different feeling different opinion some people are like you know what like I can see that I have been living with less and I don't want to go into another month or another year not being married to the person I want to be married so like let's do this because like I don't want to wait and then you have other people who are like I want to do it with everybody there like I want the celebration and if that means I put it off for another year I put it off And even though it's so like, it's so conflicting, different approaches, I think neither of them are wrong.
1: I agree. But can you imagine like you've put it off another year and a half, but you've already had a two year. Oh, God.
0: Oh, God. Well, you know, me and you would never do that. (laughs) But we would be like, uh, you know what? Like let's just get married like during this coronavirus and like we'll just like figure out that party like when exactly. this is over. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
1: I find that um what I really like and I think I'm seeing it now on Instagram more and more and more, especially in the last two weeks. People can do beautiful, intimate, small weddings. They can go all out. I mean, you can really do it high end or low end and zoom it out to all your guests all over the world, wherever they are. And it's still a wonderful celebration. You know, it's very, very possible to do that.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, I think that intimate is going to be the way of the future. And I think outdoors is truly going to be the way of the future. We're going to see a big difference in our industry. Um, But in my opinion, and this is just me, I I can't speak for anyone else. I think intimate is a, is there's no better idea than that. You know, you know that you have the people who really, really matter there.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And not all the riffraff or uh, sorry for calling it riffraff, but it's all your parents, friends, and this one and that one and people you don't know, and people you have to pretend to know and, you know, to have it as intimate and I think actually really is so much nicer. I think it goes back to like the real roots of why you're getting married and being surrounded by the people who love you most.
0: Yeah. And, um, I think it makes it, it can be just as special small as it would be large. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the amount of guests that you have doesn't, doesn't like claim the importance of your wedding
1: exactly and and again like i said i i'm working right now with um a planner here in new york who does some super high-end weddings and he has just completely turned around and created a way of doing these very high-end weddings for just 10 people or 15 people and and to do them virtually as well but in such a way that like all the guests, wherever they are, will get this beautiful box done by the caterers with the, you know, branded with the bride and groom's name on the box. They'll get the bottle of Moet champagne with the bride and groom's name. All of this is sent out to all the guests um, on dry ice if needed or not, depending on where they are. And then, the whole virtual thing, you know, if it's hosted by an MC, because the Zoom thing can be a disaster if it's not run properly. And then you can have beautiful flowers and the musicians, you can do the entire thing that is just an epic wedding that happens to be just very small.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, and I think that, I think that that's going to be a way of the future. I do. Yeah. Even past, even past 2020, I think, I mean, listen, you're still going to have the people who do the big weddings totally understand, but I think we are going to see a shift in the industry of more Mm -hmm. intimate, high-end intimate opposed to high-end and larger crowds. Right. Right. Exactly. And I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay also because you know what? Um, you're not
1: going to be dancing with Uncle John anytime soon. You know, it's just, uh, it's, I mean, the, the, there are places that are saying, you know, you can have 250 people for an outdoor wedding. Yo, yeah, well, that dance floor is still not happening. Right. You know, the bar, that's not happening. I mean, it's, it's.
0: Yeah, it's going to not- be different. It's going to be different because. Yep. Yeah, I mean, even with all the health codes, it's going to be different the way cocktail hour gets set up. Um, yeah, it's going to be a different world. I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see how it's going to play out. Me too. But yeah, I mean, just we've definitely experienced a different world the past couple months. And I don't think it's going to go back to, you know, what we once knew. Anything. No
1: anyway. No, I agree with you. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely.
0: Well, Tanya, um, I think that you have such a unique job and you've had just like such a unique and colorful career. And I'm so glad that you've been able to come on the podcast today and, you know, share with everybody, you know, how you help share a couple's story for their special day. And I'm glad you were able to share your expertise with our 2020 brides who are, who are going kind of through it right now. But I look forward to a big 2021 year of weddings. And um, I wanted you to share with everyone where they can follow you and get in touch with you for their special day.
1: Of course. So my website is com. My Instagram is thevowlwhisperer.com. So those are the, the two best ways of reaching me. Um, I am super fast at responding, especially when, you know, you call me the day before and you want to get married two days later. So, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I welcome um any inquiries and even if it's just to chat and run through some ideas and even if your wedding is in a year and a half from now we can still
0: talk about it (laughs) perfect thank you so much for tuning into the bride tender you can check us out on spotify and apple podcasts for your wedding fix each Monday. Make sure to share with your friend, your fellow bride or groom, your mom, your dad, your cousin, your sister, your brother, your friend, and pretty much anyone as it's the wedding podcast you never knew you needed. You can check me out in all my Instagram stories at The Candy Guru. Make sure to follow my candy table displays at Event Vampire and my event blog showcasing the top event trends on Long Island at the Long Island Event Tisa. And of course, make sure to follow The Bride Tender for all fun facts on the wedding industry, ways to save money on your future wedding, and hiring the best in the business for your special day. Don't forget to follow Tanya at The Vow Whisperer and let her help you rock your vows for your special day. Until next week, mix yourself a cocktail, slide into my DMs with questions you want answered on all things weddings, stay sane, stay healthy, And we'll catch you next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.